welcome to Jurassic Park 3 Minute, where we'll be discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel one minute at a time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And on this episode, we'll be discussing minute 23 of Jurassic Park 3. Dave, ready to get into it? Sure. As we end minute 22 of Jurassic Park 3, the plane had crashed down the jungle. Grant had got the back door partly open to reveal that they hadn't landed yet. At the six second mark, Nash has got the satellite phone, but a recorded message saying, Sorry, all circuits are busy and to try again later. At the 10 second mark, the plane jolts. Paul asks, what was that? And through the front windscreen, we can see the Spinosaur looking in at them and Amanda screams. At the 20 second mark, the plane begins to tilt forward and shudder. Nash tells everyone to hold on and puts the satellite phone in his top vest pocket. Paul and Amanda start to slide down the aisle as the angle increases. But up the front, we hear a strain of metal and then the whole front of the plane is taken off and Nash and Udesky are left in mid-air strapped to their seats. They quickly unbuckle their seatbelts and climb into the plane as the Spinosaur's head lunges for the opening. At the 38 second mark the Spinosaur growls and lunges into the fuselage, grabbing Nash by the leg and pulling him out and swinging left and right. Nash falls through the jaws and lands in a muddy puddle with a splash. He instantly starts to army crawl through the grass trying to evade the big predator. But as the minute ends, the Spinosaur's foot comes down, pinning into the ground the head comes down to take a bite. After Alan realises they still haven't, or they're still in a tree, he pulls the door closed, and uh, inside we see the Kirby's and Billy behind him waiting to get outside, and we get the line, we haven't landed yet, which is a nice little quip from Grant there. <laughs> we cut outside the plane as the camera slowly comes, um, or the camera slowly comes in the crash plane, and you can see the leaves falling around it, obviously still falling out of the tree. After this plane struck it you could almost hear or make out here heavy footsteps in the leaves on the ground which i think supposed to symbolize that something something's coming towards the plane and you sort of hear that sound through the leaves on the ground the footsteps but inside the cockpit nash is calling out on the sat or calling trying to call out on the satellite phone um but he's going to record a message saying all circuits are busy please try again later which just do the Malcolm trick and just bang it on the side, <laughs> bang it on something <laughs> solid. <laughs> See if you can get it to work that way. Mm-hmm. But, um, but we go back to the others in the rear of the plane and the whole thing starts to suddenly move. And on the floor, Billy's camera lens and what looks like, I thought it was like a bottle that you'd stick a tranquilizer dart or something in, like a medication, mm-hmm. but... It also almost looks like a small bottle of vodka or something. That... <laughs> That's what I was thinking was uh, in-flight drinks. Mm. Yeah, minibar. It does look. It does look like a uh, little bottle you'd find in a minibar, I think. Yeah. Yep. But we look forward past Udesky and Nash as a large shape emerges in the front window, and Amanda's the only one to see it and recalls freaked out. She starts sort of <laughs> throwing a throwing a here a fair bit and. Paul tells it to be steel, and what is it? And almost comedically, Udesky and Nash go from looking at her to looking forward out the window just as the Spinosaur drops its head from view, and it sort of reminds me a lot of the uh, Looney Tunes of the Raptor playing with Ted Levine in Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> sort of like one minute they, next minute you're gone, and just duck out of duck out of view. Mm-hmm. But uh, Amanda looks forward again, sees the animals gone, and starts to calm down slightly, but then the uh, plane begins to shake uncontrollably and we see Nash pocket the satellite phone here as the plane begins to tilt forward awkwardly 
sort of interesting that Nash throws in that top pocket and doesn't sit, doesn't place it down on the on the seat beside him or on the plane like somewhere else in the plane, which sort of leads to one of the issues they have later with not being able to call for help. Yeah. Until the Spinosaur wants to relieve himself, Paul starts to slide down the aisle towards the cockpit, and Udesky and Nash are screaming mm-hmm. as the front of the plane's torn off, <laughs> leaving them suspended in midair, which. It's again, it's another one of them great little sort of scary moments where all of a sudden the safety of the plane's gone and you're just sitting there strapped to your seat in open air. Or, as again, as Malcolm would say, putting on a very convenient biting height. <laughs> Inside, the uh, Amanda begins, begins to slide down the aisle as well as the plane's tipping forward and up front. You can see Udesky's out of his seat and moving back to the plane pretty quickly, but Nash is behind him. As the Spinosaur drops the front of the plane, turns his attention back to the uh, the open section at the front, and Nash dives in on top of Amanda as the Spinosaur sticks its head into the plane and grabs Nash by the leg, puts his leg in its jaws, and he screams, obviously. And it's weird we get a drop of blood here sort of land on Amanda's face. Whether that was from earlier when he was out in the... Um, I couldn't see a cut on his head or anything. No from when he was out with the others and first come across the Spinosaur and thought maybe he may have been injured then as well. Because, you know, in movies, normally if there's sort of abdominal trauma or something, people spit blood out of their mouth, but not a leg. Not a leg wound. (laughs) But then he's pulled backwards, screaming and fighting out of the plane and even grabs Amanda's leg at one stage trying to pull her her out with him, which a lot of fans would probably hope that he actually did. (laughs) But it's sort of interesting here too, where the um when he when the spinosaur pushes its head into the plane, it sort of collapses the front where the seats were, and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff fall, falls out as well, which just opens the front of the plane up a lot more to let it get in. In a minute here, after it takes care of Nash, but it sort of does similar to what we see. The Tyrannosaur pulls him out and gives him that shake side to side, then drops him on the ground, and he lands in a big puddle of water. To be honest, I kind of always felt like this was one of the weaker parts of the Spinosaurus animatronic, because the whole movie just seemed very robotic, you know? Yeah, very slow. Yeah. Especially when you compare it to, like, the T-Rex getting Gennaro off the toilet, just how fast it shakes him side to side, and here they're trying to do a similar thing with the animatronic, and it just... I think especially, too, because you've got a, a real real person hanging from its jaws, you can't really whip it back Yeah, true. But that's that's the whole way that like, the Tyrannosaur killed Gennaro, really, it was just that whipping back and forth as it, as it would. A grab a, animal grabs a, grabs its prey and it does that head mm-hmm. shake to try, and, to try and kill it. But I do love here, I do like this bit here too, where sort of as Nash hits the puddle, instinctively he just starts army crawling out of the puddle and through the patch of grass trying to get trying to get away from the animal yeah. now. <laughs> An animal that big, you're never going to get far enough away to hide, but he could have been lucky enough to come across a log and do a Sarah Harding and get mm-hmm. inside, or a rock outcrop or something, but he's just unlucky. He's on a pretty barren bit of ground here with some grass around him. Now, I do feel like this shot here of Nash army crawling and his subsequent death is one of the better cinema cinematographic shots of from this film. I just love the way that bluish-gray mist is just kind of, like, blocking out the background, and then we get the shot mm-hmm. with the grass, the ferns, the frond, the fronds or whatever that plant is that we've seen across the other two films. 
And I think it just works wonderfully and is really one of the shots that convinced me to kind of lay off Jurassic Park 3 in the way the jungle looks because that was always one of like my biggest attacks of Jurassic Park 3 was I didn't like how the jungle looked. And I feel like it's really starting to grow on me and this scene helped that. Yep. Yeah, well, we definitely get later on when we start getting them trekking through. You start to see it get a little bit more enclosed and more more setty, if you want to call it that. But but it's not going to help. Not going to help Nash here because uh, as the minute ends, we get the foot of the spinosaur. Its left foot come down, pinning Nash to the ground, and the animal's head comes down and behind, uh, hidden by the, its foot. You can pretty much assume it removes his torso and yeah. head from its body, but. It's sort of also good too, like the whole fight or flight here where he's crawling. You can see he's clearly got a weapon on his back. Mm-hmm. But his first instinct is to try and crawl away and not pull his weapon. Uh, well, you see that he has multiple weapons, actually. I mean, he's got that, it looks like what looks like a rifle across his back. He has a sidearm, and then he also has a large knife on his leg. I think it's strapped to the side of his belt. And he pulls none of them. They are basically the old adage, you can't harm the dinosaurs. Yeah. And I suppose, too, because of the way he's pulled, he's pulled out of the plane facing down, so he can't really reach back to... You can't do the old stick it inside like a shark, or... Because mm-hmm. you know where... Especially with the Spinosaur, you know where near it's high. <laughs> with its snout, but... Again, this is one of those... Mo- the shot of the Spinosaurus pulling Nash out of the plane is one of those moments where I feel, as I've mentioned before, Johnson kind of didn't know, really know how to kill him, so he took something from Spielberg that would have done it. Hmm. And this shot seems to be almost shot for shot Quint's death from Jaws, where he's pulled out by the legs, and in Jaws, the shark kind of just gums at him before, and actually goes down the shark's throat. Yep. And here we get a little bit more creative. We get the Spinosaurus drop him first, and then he goes down the throat. But yeah, I mean, it's same direction, and in all honesty, Nash could have pulled that knife. Uh, Quint does it in um, Jaws when he grabs the machete he had, Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm next to him and starts stabbing at the shark. Yeah. I mean, I would have tried it. I, I won't deny it. I wouldn't. I probably, I probably would have been screaming in fear, but I probably would have also been reaching for anything that could have gotten me out of the situation. Well, it'd be a perfect exclamation too as to why the spinosaur drops him in the first place. Like if he pulled his knife after he's pulled free of the plane. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's not going to be able to do much damage to its jaw. Like, you'd stick it, it might be just enough to, oh, what was that, and release its grip and drop him. Um, I mean, and then he, he loses yeah. the knife when he hits the ground anyway, so. Yeah. I mean, that they actually would have been perfect, right? In fact, that reminds me of something that happened to me when I was in first grade. Uh, I think a, a much older kid than me, he was uh, during an after-school program, put me in a headlock so I grabbed the nearest thing that I could that was sharp and it was a pencil stabbed him <laughs> in the leg with it and he let me go <laughs> so basically just do that grab the nearest, nearest object that could do the most harm and hit him with it I didn't know where that was going then I thought you were going to tell you were going to do the disappearing pencil trick <laughs> no 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 I, uh, 
It it wasn't quite that disappearing, though. It did stick in his leg. (laughs) Well, you aren't recording from prison, so... No, I I was six. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, that's the thing. Like, any any predators you sort of taught, if you can get them in a vulnerable, sensitive spot, whether Mm -hmm. it's crocodile or shark or... I'm sure bears have got the same thing. (laughs) Bears, I hear, are sensitive to the nose. Yep. Oh, that's right. Punch on the end of the nose, yep. Same with sharks. And spinosaurs, I believe, and of course Nash probably would not have known this, but (laughs) (laughs) they had the same kind of pitting along their snout that crocodiles have that sense water temperature levels, uh, movement, stuff like that. So that probably would have been a very sensitive spot to stab them in in the snout. Hmm. Yeah, I think the biggest issue he had here too was the fact that he was grabbed upside down, like he's pointing down, so he can't. The best he can do is sort of swing down and get mm-hmm. it under its jaw. But once he's on the ground pinned, he can't. You can't put your arms behind your back and try and stab it in its foot, or or you haven't got much of a chance of trying to scare it off either. Yeah. Your arms just don't move that way. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, in the script, briefly, we um, everyone sees the. Uh, Spinosaur, when um, Amanda sees it and screams and Nash buckles. It's weird, he buckles his seatbelt up, which um, we know he did before the plane took off or while the plane was taking off, but I think he, they um, they both unbuckled after the plane crashed. Uh, it kind of goes against how buckles work. Yeah, Where yeah. the crash, they're supposed to stay buckled so that you don't go through the windshield. Mm, yeah. But it just sort of seems like, okay, we've got a big animal here. I'm going to buckle my seatbelt because we might be... Well, they don't know that they're in the in the tree at this point either, unless they heard Grant. But but also, when um, Nash is pulled out, he sort of falls to the ground and he's eaten a lot quicker. We don't get him crawling through the ground trying to get away. Um, and in the novel, after Amanda sees the animal first, it attacks the plane by putting its clawed hands through the metal walls. But just as fast as it does, that, the attack, it stops and... Paul quietly comments, I guess it's not in the mood for sardines in a can. <laughs> and Amanda stares at him appalled that he could tell a joke at this time, which I'm kind of glad that didn't make it in. I am too, yeah. Though it would kind of explain why his uh, morbid sense of humor probably caused their divorce. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then when, uh, when it sort of head reappears in the cockpit window, it's Grant. Well, Grant yells to the others to get out of there, but the two men struggle with their seatbelts. And Nash isn't quick enough to unbuckle his seatbelt and is pulled free of the plane. And inside they can hear their scre- hear his screams. Like Again, the novel's a lot more tamer when it comes to the death or the blood. Yeah. You don't actually see Nash die, you just hear it from inside the plane. But that's, um, that's all I've got for minute 23. David, end of another week. Yeah. Anything else to add before we get heavy for the day? I think we're good. All right. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is jurassicminutes.wordpress.com and you can find the Lost World Minutes and Jurassic Minutes over on Facebook with the uh, pages there. David, where are we on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter, we are at Jurassic Minute. Uh, Instagram is the Jurassic Minutes Podcast. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. This is how you make dinosaurs? This is how you play God. 
If we split up, I'm going with you guys. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks. And it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries. Now what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters. Nothing more and nothing less. Uh, are you saying that you wouldn't want to get onto Isla Sorna and study them if you had the chance? No force on Earth or Heaven could get me on that island. You're desky. Hello? Charlie! Charlie! Charlie, take the phone to mommy now! It's the, it's the dinosaur man! Okay.